This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ahoy Mets fans. Welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And, um... We're here to do a show, even though there's not a ton to talk about. I know that this is always a pretty quiet time. You know, the, the time after your team's been eliminated from the from the season or postseason before the end of the World Series. But because of the transition and ownership, we've heard almost no real Mets news so far. Um, do you feel like this is the calm before the storm, or do you think that Cohen's going to have a sort of low-key first offseason? Uh, I'd go more calm before the storm. It's kind of this weird in-between that we're in. It's probably the longest stretch under the Wilpons ownership that we haven't had significant stories happening on the on the baseball side of things. You know, typically by now they would have 
done something, you know, thrown somebody under the bus. <laughs> uh, yeah, they would have fired somebody by now for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's it's been really quiet, and I'd imagine you know, we've been talking about this a lot internally, just in terms of running the site. Um, Cohen's vote, whenever it happens, is going to be significant news. Uh, the, the final vote at which he is expected to be voted in by other owners in the league as the new owner of the Mets. That's going to happen, and then it's going to be nonstop news because it just has to be. Uh, presumably, he's lining things up. You know, we know he's pegged um, Sandy Alderson as the, the president of the team overseeing baseball and business operations. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, this this in between is just there's really nothing the Wilpons can do. Uh, I guess technically they could fire some people, but it you know, it doesn't really matter if they, if they do it or not. Uh, and Cohen obviously can't do anything officially yet, but presumably sometime in the next few weeks we'll have this flurry of news of you know he's made official, Alderson's made official, and. And go from there, but uh, but yeah, we there's really not a lot of Mets news, and <laughs> there there are slow times. I mean, the the slowest time was the you know the first few months of the pandemic when there was no baseball at all. Um, but aside from that, this has probably been the quietest Mets period of the last twenty years. It certainly seems that way. But we do have, I mean, the little bit of news is that there's an ownership, is it the ownership committee, is that the official title? Uh, yeah, I believe so. And they voted 7-1 to one to let Cohen take over ownership. Uh, it's not expected that he'll lose this when it goes to the, um, when it goes to the, the full ownership slate. But, you know, that is the first step that has happened. Um, is, is any of that a surprise to you? Um, no, I mean, the, the reporting on it has been pretty consistent that the expectation is that he will get that approval. Um, so I guess the biggest thing with this little bit of news is just learning that they have a committee (laughs) for, right? it it makes sense. Uh, lots of organizations have committees to handle certain things, but I didn't realize, uh, the process, um, involved, you know, making it out of committee to get put to a general vote. Uh, you know, but I, I, I cannot imagine, uh, that there's going to be any hurdles at this point. Um, you don't think Bill de Blasio is going to stop it? <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> there, there was an article that came out today saying that de Blasio would technically have the ability to stop it if he felt that it was not in the interest of New York city or something like that, but it's, that's not going to happen. De Blasio has no balls. Well, right. There is uh, there's that factor, and and Disha uh, Thozar of the Daily News did a pretty good job of writing up a story. Um, you know, it was Bob Nightingale who had written the, the original, and Disha did a pretty good job of pointing out the thresholds that needed to be crossed for a mayor of New York City to have that kind of say in the process based on the lease of City Field wouldn't have even been crossed based on. Steve Cohen's history, um, you know, he came to a settlement with the SEC. He never 
but he was never arrested. He was never charged with a crime. He was never convicted of a crime uh, for, for any of the financial um, activity that he had. So she, you know, she pointed that out. And then she also pointed out that Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, you know, owner of the White Sox and the Bulls, I think still, um, yep, sort of has had a hatred of Cohen for a long time and is close with Alex Rodriguez. So she pointed out that a lot of people thought that he was responsible for the whole, oh, the mayor could stop it story even being a story. Um, so, you know, she came to the conclusion and, and so did, uh, you know, the story in the New York post, uh, which I think had, had a brief comment from somebody from city hall, uh, you know, there's no legs to it. Uh, one thing that's been pretty embarrassing, uh, for a rod through this, you know, you go through this process of trying to buy a team and put people together and put the money together. That's, you know, I'm, I'm sure that is stressful and a lot of work, but you come up short and then, you know, you go to Andy Martino and you go to Jerry Reinsdorf and, uh, you know, get these stories out saying how, oh no, you know, we're still here. We're going to buy the team when, when they turn down Steve Cohen. Um, doing that as like a PR campaign it's just not a good look. It's, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. I mean, I, it, the, the ownership group that they were trying to piece together sounded like it would have been a nightmare with way too many cooks in the kitchen. Yep. But, you know, I didn't have any strong rooting interest. I've actually kind of grown to like A-Rod more over the years. Um you know, I think despite what happened during his playing career, he was probably extremely underappreciated in 2009 as a member of that Yankees team. Um, and, you know, he's he's done a pretty good job getting out there and being on TV and being a pretty decent personality. He's not Gary Keith Ron by any stretch of the imagination. But, yeah. But that being said... You lost, you know, go home. If something, if you want to do that stuff behind the scenes and, and say, hey, look, if this falls through and you want to try to stage a campaign to defeat him in his ownership bid, by all means, do it. But, you know, going to the press and getting stories out there about how you're still around and you're still going to own the team, um, I, I would advise just stop. <laughs> yeah um i completely concur in a bit of news that that may or may not be cohen slash will pond related but is certainly pandemic related we got some really sad news this week for us personally uh which is that mckellar nyc the brewery that was operating outside of city field is going to be closing permanently they're going to be merging their operations with the mckellar san diego and this is uh, this sucks for so many reasons, um, but from like an amazing a- an amazing avenue standpoint, that's been our home for the last couple of years for doing events. We did a couple of our ARGs there. We did the uh, live three hundredth podcast episode there. 
we did the uh, Dollars for Dingers event there for a pot of our own. And they have been so damn good to us. I mean, like anything you think that they would have done for a group coming in, they did above and beyond that. They were incredible to work with, super accommodating. They had great beer and delicious food. And for somebody that isn't really a big like sports bar guy, like when they opened um, McFadden's there, I went once or twice before a game because it was a place to grab a beer or whatever, but that's not really my vibe. Going into McKellar felt like it was this place that was probably too cool to be outside City Field, to be honest with you. Um, but it, it was just this incredible place to hang out. Really, really good beer, really good food. And it felt like this little pocket of... like The people who went to McKellar before a game seemed to me were the people who were not like screaming shithead things at the game, who were, who were just cool. I don't know how to describe it. It just seemed like an enclave of the Mets fans that I consider myself a part of. And I don't mean to make that sound like, um, I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm excluding anybody, but I think we've all been to a Mets game when there's somebody in the stands yelling something shitty from next to us. Right. And I feel like I never saw those people really at McKellar. I just saw folks who were smart, interesting people drinking good beer and enjoying the Mets. Yeah, I think my favorite example, and by favorite I mean least favorite example <laughs> of that behavior uh, that you mentioned was in Camden Yards, which I think was in 2009 or, or somewhere around there, 9 or 10. Uh, but my dad and I took the trip down, <clears throat> saw, I forget if we saw the whole series or saw like a, a Saturday night game and the Sunday day game. Uh, the Mets were in town, you know, it's Camden Yards. You don't get those opportunities to see your favorite team in a great ballpark like that um, all that often with the way that interleague play scheduling works. So it, we had gotten down there, and I believe the Mets were, you know, running away with one of the games. There was a Met fan in our row or the row behind, you know, either seated immediately behind us or right next to us. Um, man, remember remember that? Remember when you sat next to people? <laughs> Barely, but yes. <laughs> um, so, but whatever. He's, he's close to us. The Mets are running away with the game, and he starts chanting, this is our house. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? This is the Orioles. Like, who, who's just, the Mets are winning. We're in a nice ballpark. Like, <laughs> so yeah that kind of shithead behavior um it is is not the most desirable uh surprisingly his his dad thought carlos beltran was lazy um uh, yep shocking fucking shocking. so yeah they were both adults you know as were we but yeah so yeah that that kind of thing um and look there there's some rumblings um if you piece together some stuff on the internet it, it sounds like a brewery with ownership and and to be clear i think there was a Wilpon stake in the ownership of the mckellar operation in city field um but it seems like a new brewery might be going into that space um 
you know, we haven't really seen confirmation of that yet, but logically if, you know, Bruce Wilpon, who I guess is most well known for being the brother who doesn't like Jeff Wilpon in the story that came out late last year or early this year, um, or maybe even the middle of this year. I don't, I don't remember which one Time it was. Is but it, yeah, that, that, that is a good point. But uh, it, could, it could have been 10 years ago or 10 days ago, and it would feel yes. the same to me right now. So, Yeah, yeah. But if that is true, if there is still going to be a brewery there, and if it's operational whenever we get back to doing that kind of thing, um, there, there's no certainty to it. You know, it it uh, it, it's a it's a bummer to to lose something that had been good for us personally for for the site. Um, you know, McKellar has their own artist and their own style of art with everything they do. Um, you know, they're, they're based in Denmark, and just in the span of the the two year, you know, two full healthy pand- uh, pandemic free seasons. Um, and then they lasted about a half a year this year, just in that span, it, it became very much ingrained in the, the process of going to a game, especially on a weekend or if it was a special occasion, you know, uh, I think last year we, we'd done a last minute little birthday thing for me, uh, and everybody really wanted the promotional free Hawaiian shirt. (laughs) <laughs> but we hung out in McKellar longer because that was more fun. And then we, you know, missed out on the promo and had to scramble and buy a couple of people who didn't want theirs. <laughs> um, and, you know, perhaps some of the friends who came uh, have a different take on it. But to me, like that was, it was more enjoyable to hang out there longer than to, you know, rush out of the brewery and get into the game uh, super early for the promo. So, yeah, I I I do hope it's still a brewery in the future, I, and I I can hope that we have similar experiences. But um, no doubt, it's a bummer uh, that you know, just thinking of the art being off the walls and not having that connection you know we what my wife and i have been to a couple other locations of theirs primarily because we'd gotten to know their beer and and them through the city field location you know so when we were in california we went to the san diego spot um they have a bar in norway with some of their beer from uh from denmark and and san diego and new york so we stopped by there when we were in Oslo, you know, it just became kind of a a thing. You know, it was a thing that was related to my favorite team and a thing that we sought out when we, when we traveled. And I don't know, I mean, we, we had that, that, that connection is still there, but it just sucks to not be able to go back to it. Um, And yeah. yeah, and I, I fear, I fear it's for you know there've been far more important losses uh, for everyone through all of this, um, you know. But in terms of businesses that you care about, um, 
you know, this, this is the first one of the places that I would consider myself a regular at, you know, in normal times, uh, that won't come back. And, yeah. you know, it sucks. And I expect there will be more. We just haven't re- really heard about them yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, you know, if, if it is a new brewery, hopefully it is still run by cool people and hopefully they are accommodating to fans, not just because of our amazing Avenue connection, but you know, it, it would just be such a loss to city field, especially because, and this is something that, that, you know, has been talked about for years and the Wilpons were supposed to be doing this for years, but remember all the development that was supposed to be happening around city field that didn't happen for lots of reasons, some legitimate and some maybe not so legitimate, but like there, there is nothing to do around city field before a game. If you're not going to McKellar. That's it. Right. It, yeah. It's, yeah. It's no. Not like it's... Going to Boston or to or to uh, Wrigley, where there's there's this like you know culture of places that are set up around the ballpark to help to help you kill the time before or after games. That's it, folks. That's all there is. And so, right. And we're losing it all. But yeah. No. And and McFadden's is there, but I don't know. It's just overcrowded. Most of the time, generic, um, you know, in some ways trying to be like the hooters of sports bars. Yep. And it's just, I don't know, man. That That's uh, it's not my kind it's of place. It's just not. Yeah, no. Um, you know, before McKellar came to be, I had already spent, you know, plenty of pregame times and some postgame times in the bar at the Holiday Inn. Uh, in the in the pine mm-hmm. um over just across the Grand Central Parkway on 114th Street and back in the day the Mets used to go drink there after games uh that was before my day <laughs> but i think in the uh, you know the 80s they would mm-hmm. kind of go and hang out there pretty regularly um because back then that was probably literally the only bar anywhere near Shea Stadium yep but but uh but yeah before McKellar came to be I, I had gone to McFadden's a couple times and and basically come to the conclusion especially during like the uh 2015 playoff run that I'd much rather just go to the Holiday Inn have a couple beers there and then walk over and and go into the ballpark um you know because you it, it was crowded there too but you know much smaller um you weren't you weren't going to be bombarded with things um so yeah and who knows who knows if mcfadden's even still is there i mean obviously as far as we know they still are but they don't have the overhead i would think of all the equipment there right um yeah it's you could kind of just shut it down and if the mets aren't giving you that hard of a time about the lease you know, I, I don't know exactly how that works, but yeah, I'm yeah. not sure either. Uh, I do want to say my one McFadden's experience, really, besides just grabbing like a quick beer, there was. Did you ever go to any of the Mets Oktoberfest nights? Um, no. So you would get a at least. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, no. At least not on like their official Oktoberfest ticket. Uh huh. Yeah, so I'm, uh, a friend of mine and I went a couple of years to that. We got those giant beer steins, which are, you know, I guess fun to have. I've never used it in my house. I, I used it that night. But the one, the first year McFadden's opened, 
they did a deal where you could fill your stein after the game with any beer for $5. <laughs> and so my friend Anthony and I, sup Anthony if you're listening, uh, we went over there and I don't remember what he got, but I got an IPA. Oh. Not thinking I would have to drink a giant Stein's worth. And then I had to catch the train and was like, oh shit, I, I don't, I can't finish this. But I had to bring the Stein home. So I had to like ask the bartender, can you just dump this out so I can leave? <laughs> Which was not a great, <laughs> not a great thing to have to do. So yeah. 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 Wasn't a smart move on my part. Uh, yeah. Anyway, fare thee well, McKellar. Um, Next time I'm in San Diego, I, I'm definitely going to have to go to the McKellar Brewery there to pay my respects. And, I'll, and just because it's awesome beer, but also just to, to relive some of the glory days of our of our time at McKellar. And uh, once again, thank you to McKellar for being just awesome to us. I think we did four events there? Does that sound yeah, right? that sounds about right. Something like that. Four or five. And uh, yeah. it just, just just super cool to us each time. So thanks, folks. So before we, we get out of here, we don't have too much more to talk about. Uh, do you have a particular rooting interest in this World Series? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Not too strong a one. I know the popular opinion is rooting for the Rays. Um, you know, hating on the Dodgers. And I get it. You know, when you when you look at it, um, I, I wrote about this earlier in the week. When, when you're looking at it from a franchise standpoint who you know the Mets have a new owner coming in he has lots of money we don't really know how he's going to operate until we start to see what that looks like and what you know what do the Mets look like uh, on a day-to-day basis what you know what's their long-term plan uh, for for being a competitive team or not Uh, but I'm going to guess they're going to try to be a competitive team. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope. I would hope in your 60s you wouldn't just buy a team to be like, eh, nah, I don't want to win. Um, but we'll see. Uh, but from that standpoint, you would much rather the new Mets organization be willing to operate like the Dodgers. Because, um, you know, from the high paid guys, whether it's retaining their own players that they've, you know, brought up and had on the team for a while or paying free agents or making a trade where you absorb salary from the Red Sox who are trying to lose um, and, and giving up a an all-time great franchise player in Mookie Betts 
Um, Who basically single-handedly won a World Series game for the Dodgers last night. Right. Right. And and was a part of, you know, a Red Sox championship. Um, And, yeah, I... So from that standpoint, my point was you'd much rather the Mets emulate the Dodgers than the Rays. You know, both get a lot of credit for being smart about things, but if you had to choose between the two, the Dodgers have been in the playoffs eight years in a row. Uh, the Rays have not. You know, the Dodgers haven't won fewer than 90 games since like 2012, 13, something like that. Um, the Rays have had seasons with 60-something wins or low 70-something wins in, in that same span. So I would like the Mets to be the kind of team that would be willing to take on great players who other teams are just stupid about and don't want to pay, um, to be a team that could extend their own without feeling. And, and I'll admit, I am I'm definitely not the highest person on Zach Wheeler. But it would be nice if, if the team could at least consider it. Yes. You know, in a Wilpon reality, the, the Zach Wheeler contract could break the team for the entirety of it if anything went wrong. Um, if you're a team like the Dodgers and you give that contract to somebody who, who had been one of your own players, um, it's not likely to do that to you. So on that sort of front office larger scale i think that that's what i'm focused on in terms of on the field though um i don't know chase utley's gone um uh, he's gone but utley remains butley right oh yeah no of course just making sure okay. but the fact that he <laughs> the fact that he's not on the dodgers um five years ago i probably would have cared a little bit more if justin turner won a World Series after, you know, the Mets let him go or made him go. Um, but I don't know. There, there's there's nothing too strong there either way. Um, but if the Rays win, that's cool too. I, I just don't want it to be – I don't want the Rays to win and then everybody to say, oh, every team should have a $70 million payroll. Right, right. I, I that's totally all. concur, yes. So, you know, the players on the field, the Rays are the underdogs. Like, if you look at these rosters, one of them should be better than the other. Yes. Very clearly. Um, so, you know, I get rooting for the underdog. Uh, I won't be upset either way. The fact that we were this close to Braves Astros and got Rays Dodgers, yes. I am. It's blessed. It's a blessed occurrence. Yes, I am I'm very relieved. So, what I, what any, anything in particular uh, for you? Um, you know, yeah, I I tend to root for the team whose fan base has gone the longest without a championship, and the Rays fan fan base has gone forever without one. So mm. that that will get my initial, you know, um, you know, my, my initial uh, rooting interest. But in terms of running a franchise, I mean, I think that the Dodgers, like you said, are sort of the the platonic ideal they don't quite go as far into evil empire stuff as boston or new york did or the yankees did rather in recent years but they're certainly you know close to that but like you said it just seems like they are willing to take risks that other teams maybe of their size aren't they're willing to lock up their homegrown players 
it just seems like a very well-run team. From what I've heard, is a beautiful ballpark. I have not been to Dodger Stadium. And in the ballpark wars, Dodger Stadium definitely wins because uh, I have been to Tampa Bay, and it sucks. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's – I have not been to either, but <laughs> I can – I can guarantee I, uh, which one I would like more. Tampa Bay has this weird vibe in their, like... So, first of all, it's always weird to open a door, like a like a regular door to walk into a baseball stadium. Like, it's just it just felt like you were walking into like an office building. I don't know, it's very weird. But so, every, all the concourses are low. And so, like, you when you walk in, you have to walk up to the, to the seats, but all the food and stuff is low. And it feels like a circus atmosphere. There's like a lot of loud music, and there's they're trying to entertain you, and it just felt very claustrophobic and weird. And then you get into the ballpark itself, which is also claustrophobic and weird. So it's it's not great. Um, yeah, but you know, like I said, I I think this is this is, of the teams that were in the playoffs, I would have liked to have seen the A's make it to the World Series, especially if it's true that Billy Bean is going to be stepping down from the A's. You know, I I just I you know I know that. Billy Bean is not the savior of baseball the way he was represented around the time of Moneyball, but he was a really creative, really smart guy who did a lot of good for the game, and so I would have liked to have seen seen him get a championship. Other than that, I was I, I was kind of rooting for the Rays just because again they've never won, and I like to see a team that hasn't won in a long time get it. But the Dodgers haven't won since '88, so I mean that's not that's that's nothing to sneeze at either. I, I think it's I think it's a good. I think it's a good matchup for baseball. I think it shows two different philosophies of running a team. Like you said, I want my team to run themselves more like the Dodgers and the Rays. But the Rays also represent why, once again, fuck the Wilpons. Because if the Rays can do it on that budget, the Wilpons could have done it on on any budget as well. And they didn't. Right. Right. Um, but we also want to talk about, before we go, just... Uh, Two quick performances in the in the postseason. Uh, Justin Turner, like you mentioned before, is now in the Dodgers. I was never a Turner fan when he was on the Mets. I know a lot of Mets fans really liked him. I I was lukewarm at best. And something about his attitude. I feel like he argued balls and strikes a lot. I don't know. I just I I never liked Justin. I never liked watching him play very much. And so him getting good just made it worse because I I didn't like him in the first place. Um, but he's a free agent at the end of this season. And I, we were talking beforehand, you think he's going to remain a Dodger for life. I don't see how he's not a Dodger for life at this point. It just makes more... He makes more sense for the Dodgers than anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he's 35, which I'm sure is something that a lot of teams would shy away from. Um, it, it, you know, it's funny. He hasn't really looked like he's aged, mainly because he's had the... <laughs> giant orange beard for all these years so you really can't see what's happening under there um but yeah it's it, there's some small part of you as a Mets fan that can't help but wonder like oh man imagine if if they brought him back it, it wouldn't make sense um you know the fit with the roster and all, all sorts of things um but if they brought him back it would be it would be something, uh, to say the least. But yeah, my my money would be on him uh, sticking around in L.A. until he retires. And to his credit, he's remained very good. Uh, you know, I, I was not a huge fan of his either. It was 
you know, he was a guy who it seemed like Terry Collins favored a little bit too much at a, at, you know, over a span that he was just below a league average hitter. And, and um, Collins loved to platoon him, even though he had reverse splits. Right. So certain things about getting tired of him at the time were, uh, you know, not his fault. He was who he was a, a useful backup player. Um, and yeah, so yeah. Um, but hey, if he wins a World Series now, good good for him. I, you know, he he was never he never did anything awful. You know, I, I no, never sure. hated him. I just thought the Mets were over reliant on him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other former Met that's had a had a really really good postseason was Travis Darno for the Braves and. I I think that most Mets fans were upset that the Mets... No, let me rephrase that. I would say that Mets fans this year were upset when he was good and the Mets let him go. But he's one of the more polarizing Mets players of the last decade or so. Some people just always despise Darno. I don't know if it's Mm -hmm. because he came in as part of the R.A. Dickey trade and he was supposed to be this hot shit prospect and never quite lived up to that. But he was a damn good major league hitter for a while when he was healthy. And he's proving it again this year. Um, he's a guy that will never come back to the Mets because he seemingly hates the Mets. Although maybe if everyone there has changed, it'll be different. But um, what were your thoughts about watching, uh, watching Darno this postseason? Well, yeah, it definitely felt a little, um, bittersweet <laughs> seeing him do it for the Braves. Um, and you know, the, the way the Mets let him go, it, it, apparently now, you know, the result of a Jeff Wilpon, uh, tantrum after a game early, uh, last season it was right. Mm-hmm, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like forever ago, but, uh, but yeah, it, he, I never got why people hated him the way that they did. You know, I understood that he wasn't Mike Piazza. Um, but I don't know. It always seemed a little bit disproportionate. Um, fans have a tendency to dislike guys who get hurt. I think, you know, I think that probably played a role. Uh, and, and, you know, objectively the only time that he really tore it up was 2015 uh, when he had missed a big chunk of the season, but then, you know, was on fire uh, as the team finished the the season strong and, and went into those playoffs. But um, but catcher, it, it's just a weird position if you're a Met. I, and maybe it is with every franchise. I know the Yankees uh, and, and their fans have been going through it with Gary Sanchez and, you know, sort of the wide range of opinions on him. It, it's a it's a tough position because I think whatever type of fan you are, you you know, and and by that I mean um, you know batting average and RBIs are the only things that matter to you. Or if you read fan graphs and baseball prospectus every day, or if you're somewhere in between, whatever flavor of baseball statistics you're into, you can find a flaw with pretty much every catcher. Yes. Either he's not that good at throwing out base runners, or he's not that good at framing, or he's not that good at hitting. Um, you know, it's 
fortunately, somebody who can do all of those things is going to be a free agent <laughs> in yep. a few days. Um, but it's very rare that you have that well-rounded a, a catcher. And I, I think that contributes to it. You know, if you just assume that people are sort of evenly divided on um, being optimistic or pessimistic about their sports team, even within those groups, you know, you, you can find people who, who have reasons to, uh, to like or, or dislike somebody who plays that position. So I don't know. I guess my, my message here is be nice to catchers. It's a hard <laughs> gig. I, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, I just thought that they gave up Darno for nothing, which is bad baseball practice on, on any day. But when their backup situation was was not exactly strong, it just seemed to me so short sighted and weird. Um, and good good for Darno. You know, there there are a lot of players who, when they leave the Mets, they leave pissed off, and I don't really understand it. I understand why he's pissed off, and he deserves a a big payday, and I hope he gets it eventually. And uh, yeah, thank you for your time. Travis Darno and uh, I don't take it personally when you dislike the Mets and their fans. Uh, Chris, <laughs> what is your uh, what is your music pick for this week? So uh, we chatted a little bit uh, before we you know started recording the episode here, and my temptation is to just keep going back to the same few bands that I've been recommending recently. Um, but I'll go with something that's not that. Uh, I think I've done two recommendations this year that have been of albums that haven't even been out yet. But good news, I stand by both of them. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll go back just a little bit in time. Um, you know, Ty Siegel, I've recommended his music on the podcast before. Um, there's so much of it. He's got a lot of side projects. He's he's had a lot of records that he's put out just under his own name. Um, and then there's sort of like a family tree of musicians that have played in his band that have done a lot of other cool things, you know, super active guy in, in the music world. Um, but the album manipulator came out in 2014 or 15. And if I was compiling all of my favorite songs of his, there, there are several from this record that would, you know, make my top 10, um, you know, some of the others come off records that are that are really good, but start to finish, Manipulator just doesn't have a bad song. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say any of the other records have, have bad songs, but it's not that easy. And I, I think Manipulator is 16 tracks. It's 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. And I like all of them a lot. Um you know, to, to put something together that is that long and, you know, the songs feel connected to each other uh, as you go through it, that that's really hard to do. So, um, you know, to me, it is the best place to start. I probably said that when I recommended his record that came out last year, <laughs> which is great, but is not the best place to start. Uh, but... But yeah, I will give the the full recommendation to Manipulator by Ty Siegel. 
All right, very cool. I have not checked out that album yet. Um, he has his discography is so big that I feel like it's just easy to miss stuff, and uh, I have missed that album. So I, I will rectify that tomorrow probably. All right. Uh, so for mine, I, I I'm going to a uh, an album that I had heard for the first time when I was in college and I enjoyed it, and then I sort of forgot about it forever because that's just what happens with all the music that we have in our lives. And um, I came back to it this week because it's the 20th anniversary of it, and there was a really good article published on Magnet, which is a music website slash magazine uh, about about this album. And it's by a band that, if you know them at all, you know them. And I don't I don't mean you, Chris. I mean you, the listener. If you know them at all, you know them from their like mid 90s big hit "Sucked Out." They're called Super Drag. Uh, the chorus was "Who Sucked Out the Feeling?" It was like. Around the same time as like Nada Surf and Weezer, sort of all these like power poppy indie bands kind of came out at the same time. And uh, it's so Super Drag's third album is called In the Valley of Dying Stars. And it is just like a not, it sounds to me like a greatest hits album of a band you've never heard. Just really solid, super catchy, really great power pop songs, really amazing lead guitar work also. Um, there are a couple of of power pop outfits like Matthew Sweet used to bring in like Tom Verlaine and uh, and others to play lead for him because he liked these like crazy leads on top of his melodic songs and Super Drag is sort of in that tradition as well and so there's there's really great drumming there's really great lead guitar and just super super great pretty catchy songs so um, it, it's to me it feels like a, a Maybe it would have been a better late summer album than an early autumn album. I, I'm big into my seasonal designations of music, but I, like I said, it's the 20th anniversary. It's worth checking out. Uh, it's called In the Valley of Dying Stars by Super Drag. Well, Chris, that does it for us. We'll be back in uh, in two weeks with another show. We're going to be going every other week this offseason. Unless something crazy happens next week, then we'll be back to cover that craziness. Uh, until then, please go to AmazingAvenue.com. You can find... Uh, off-season news you can find other podcasts you can find our morning news you can find articles of all stripes there we're going to be doing our aaop our amazing avenue off-season plan contest starting the day after the world series so stay tuned for that that's always a lot of fun we should maybe try and get uh i think we talked about this last time and it didn't happen we should try and get the winner of the aaop to come on the show and talk about it yeah i think that'd be fun yeah, and I t- it, we may have mentioned this before, but the the budget threshold is or limit in our uh, exercise here with this contest is going to be the luxury tax threshold. <laughs> yep. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of opportunity to have some fun with that. Um, I, I will be shocked if there are more than a, a couple of entries that don't have JT Real Muto on the team. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. You know, in this fantasy land where you get to write your own offseason for the Mets, uh, it is the most freedom. It, I think one of my favorite things, and you have to have found the favorite things under under the Wilpons, um, was people like <laughs> whining about the salary cap that we would set. Yes. <laughs> for this contest, which was great because, you know, if you're in that spot and the owners told you that it was that low you'd probably not be so happy about it. But it's just funny that that's a thing that happened. You know, we were, and, and some complained that it was too high, 
you know, it's yeah. unrealistic to think the Mets might spend ten million dollars in an offseason. Uh, uh, so yeah, stay tuned for AOP news out there. Uh, you can also follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find the show itself, not just the site, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We would appreciate it. And uh, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am at Brian Needs an F. And until next time, let's go Mets. <laughs> <laughs>